selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Roth. Hey everybody, today is the day. Today is the day that we're going to be wrapping up our look into Javier and Jacob and Austin and that entire group of friends. As I mentioned on the follow-up this week, this is not the last we're going to look into this. But as far as this first phase, this information gathering phase, I think that we've explored to the ends of the earth with this group. We've heard every interview, everybody that was connected to them. Their interviews from 2006, 2007, up to 2015. And that's all information we have now gathered. We're going to hang on to, and then we'll be circling back to that stuff later when we get to the phase where we start to develop hypotheses and theories and things like that. We've got a lot of other ground to cover, as I've mentioned in this week's follow-up. We need to get through some of the random people uh, that aren't necessarily suspects, like Becky's sisters and follow-ups with her friends. Uh, And then uh, I want to take a look at Josh Arney, who was the person that she spoke to on her way up the hill the night that Becky was killed. Uh, before we do that, the final wrap-up for this one. This episode, I'm going to tell you up front, it's it's not packed full of information. It's kind of buttoning up loose ends. Uh, but we, we do get a couple of decent different perspectives here. So, without further ado, this is Season 12, Episode 26, Family Ties. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that you did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen, 
just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, in this week's episode, like I said in the intro, it's not packed full of a ton of information, and I've tried to organize it in a way that most of the information, heavy stuff, is going to be up here up front in the beginning. And for those of you that don't like to listen to a whole lot of interviews, the last one you could definitely skip if you don't want to. That one really is out there because it's just part of the file. It's interesting. There is, I mean, literally nothing useful for the case for this interview. You're not going to miss any deep analysis by not listening to that final interview, which I'll explain here in a second. So the three interviews you're going to hear today, and I'll break them down uh, briefly here before we get into them, is uh, first is the probably the most in-depth and informative interview is an interview done with Bonnie Garcia. That's Javier's mother. It was recorded on October 5th of 2006, so just about two and a half weeks or so after the murders. And in this interview, what you're going to hear actually is Detective LeClaire calling Bonnie back uh, because she called him not happy because one of her neighbors told her that she saw the police poking around their house. We hear from LeClaire during this interview that he was there because he was looking for Javier. Uh, he was he wanted to talk to him about a polygraph test and to explain to you kind of what goes on in this interview, like I did in last week's interview with Austin Alba. Uh, Bonnie talks about the polygraph. She says that her ex-husband, Javier's dad, didn't want him to take a polygraph. She also says that she agrees with that. And she says because they're not admissible they might be a good investigative tool, but she doesn't want him to take one. They're not admissible in court, and they can't be used to clear him, uh, which you know I, I agree with all that. So from there, LeClaire decides to just conduct an interview and start asking Bonnie some questions while he has her on the phone. So I want to give you kind of the bullet points that she went over there. He, she does confirm a few things for us, or at least add to the knowledge base that we already have. Uh, one of the first things she says is that Javi had a crush on Becky. And we find out later in the interview that Javi didn't tell her that he had a crush on Becky. She kind of assumed that. And then she actually says she heard that from Becky herself. So it sounds like there was a, a conversation between Bonnie and Becky. Bonnie says that she was not happy with Becky always hanging around their house. She said that there was a bunch of guys there all the time, a bunch of boys. And then Becky would be there too. And she would spend the night with Javier, with the guys. Uh, and I, I wrote down a quote that she says in the interview, if you're not my son's girlfriend, you shouldn't be spending all this time at my house. So that's what she says that she said to Becky during this conversation. But another thing that we get out of the conversation is the whole idea. Uh, several people have been asking, is there any weight to this rumor or this thing that Robert had said about Becky dating a Marine? Well, Bonnie told the police, she tells LeClaire in this interview that Becky was, in fact, dating a Marine at some point. She says that Becky talked to her about that. She got that information from Becky herself that she dated a Marine for, she says, a while. So there seems to be some weight behind the idea that she dated a Marine. Bonnie goes on to say that uh, when talking about asking Becky about this crush that Javier has on her, she said that Becky says it's not like that. They're just friends. But she says that Becky told her that she's sure that Javier would like it to be more than that, but she's not interested in him in that way. So that's, you know, I, I don't know. That's not really here nor there, but it's just 
more information. This is this is the first time that we've heard. You know, we've heard a lot of people saying what they think the relationship was like between Becky and Javier, and we've certainly spent a lot of time speculating about how Becky might have felt about that relationship. And here, you know, if we believe Bonnie Garcia, and I don't see why we wouldn't. She says she heard those words from Becky. So that's how Becky saw the relationship that she thought they were very good friends. She seems to know that Javier would like them to be more than friends, but she was never interested in being more than friends with him. Then we move on to probably the most informative part of the interview. And that's where Bonnie breaks down Javier's timeline on the day of the murders from her perspective. So she says that Becky spent the night at her house Saturday night. She wasn't home. She was out of town. She was in Las Vegas, I believe. She says that on Saturday when she got home, which I think was around noon, she called Javi and needed Javi to go pick her up at the airport. So Javi went to the airport, and as we know, that's when Becky then went over to Claire's house. So Javi picks his mom up at the airport. They go home, and they get one of the – I don't know which car he took to pick her up at the airport – but then together, they get Javi's car and Bonnie's car, and they drive to Walmart, and they drop Javier's car off to get new tires put on it. So then now they're both in one car. Javier then drives back to the house, drops Bonnie off back at home, and then Javier leaves from there, she says, to go have lunch with Becky and her friends, which all adds up with the idea that we heard before from, from I think, Javier and Janelle and Claire that somewhere around the 3 o'clock hour – Javier meets them at Target, and they hang out for a little bit. Then she says a few hours later or some time later that she calls Javier, and she has to go to City Hall for some sort of event that night. He has her car, so he has Javier leave, drive back, and pick her up, her being Bonnie, picks her up, and she says that's when she thinks that Becky then went up the hill. So Becky went up the hill. Javier goes and picks up his mom. Then they drive to Walmart so he can get his car. She says that when they got there, the car wasn't ready. They weren't done with the tires yet. So she left Javier alone at Walmart while she went on to City Hall. And she says that she thinks that was around 530 or 6, which that sort of tracks with, you know, we know that Javier was still down in the valley at about that time. As far as what Javier was doing that night, so she doesn't know, but from what he told her, that he was driving around hanging out with his friends that night. So that's all she knows about that. The next morning is interesting, so this would be the Monday morning, the day that Javier finds out about the, the fire and the murders. Uh, she says that she actually woke Javier up to get him out of bed because he had class that morning, and that he got up, and then she says that he was calling around to friends of Becky's because he hadn't heard from her and wanted to know if they had heard from her, and then at some point during that morning, one of his friends who lives up the hill told him that there had been a fire. And then that's when he headed up the hill. So that was that was how things went. And again, you'll hear in the next you know 30 seconds from now, you're going to hear Bonnie herself do this interview. If you listen to it and you'll hear her words as she explains all of this. Oh, also, she does mention in that interview that Becky had broken up with Jacob, her nephew. So that's just further confirmation. Uh, but again, that could have come from Javier, too. But that's just another person saying that that breakup did occur uh, a few days before the murders. So that's going to be. The first interview, it's Bonnie Garcia. Then we'll have a short break, and then we're going to come back, and there's going to be another very short interview. It's only four or five minutes, I think, and that is with Emmalinda McGinnis, Jacob Santiago's mother. She was interviewed in 2015, 
And this is when the police were trying to get a hold of Jacob and they were not having any luck. We kind of got that vibe from the interview with Austin when they mentioned it. Uh, so they go talk to Jacob's mother, short interview. She doesn't seem to be particularly thrilled with that. And she basically says that Jacob's not going to talk to them unless he gets subpoenaed. And, and then she mentions that, uh, which is just something to store away when we go to post-defense behavior. Uh, she says that he had a complete psychological breakdown after Becky was murdered. Um, she mentions a psychiatrist. There's no diagnosis given or anything like that. I would have redacted if she gave it, but she doesn't explain what happened there. But he had a really rough time afterwards. But we also find out that a year after Becky died, that Jacob, it sounds like he discovered the body of his aunt who had passed away. Uh, and, and it sounds like those two things together really tore Jacob up. And, uh, and he had a really hard time after that. And so his mother says that you know, she doesn't want to. I think the way she puts it is, I'm not about to give him PTSD over all this again. He's not going to talk to you unless you have a subpoena to get him to talk to you. And that's the extent, really, of that interview. It goes on for a few minutes. There's a little bit more there. I think it's worth a listen. It's short. And that is the second interview. After that interview, really, unless you just really like listening to these interviews and you really want to get a good feel for everything and everyone, the final interview is a long one. It's about 40 minutes long. And it is with Rolando Santiago. That's Jacob's twin brother. Uh, Rolando is the one who lived in Costa Mesa, where Jacob was the the night before the murders. This interview is conducted again in 2015. The only thing really of note in that interview is it really struck me to hear the officers tell Rolando that the only reason that they were doing this interview and they were looking for Jacob is basically to check off boxes before they try to recharge Robert and Christian and take them to trial. I mean, he says that the purpose of the interviews is they don't want the defense to be able to say that they didn't clear someone or didn't follow down these leads. So checking off boxes. I don't know if that's what they're really doing, but that's what he at least says that they're doing. But uh, Rolando's a super interesting guy. I mean, it's just really interesting. It's an interesting interview to listen to, uh, but there's nothing. No, he doesn't remember dates and times and exactly when he heard what from who he's got a basic grasp of how Javier was doing afterwards, how Jacob was doing after the murders and the relationship between Becky and both of them. But it's, there's not, there's nothing really substantial there. It's a long interview. I thought about just not playing it at all, but uh, I think it's worth for those of you that just want it all. Keep listening. Like I said, it's interesting. You're not going to get a lot out of it case wise, but it's there. You can listen to it. And then we can put a button on this group for now and we can move past them, which I know, uh, myself and a lot of you are ready to do to move on to another group and start looking at things from a different angle. Cause I think one of the tricky things with doing a case like this is we want to see everything from every perspective. We want to stay unbiased. We want to stay neutral. And if we keep staring at the same group forever, uh, the longer you do it, the more things you find that maybe make them look guilty because they're the only people you're looking at. So I think it's a good time for us to put a button on them and then move on after that to, a few other loose ends that we need to tie up, and then we're going to get deep into the case against Robert and Christian after that, which I know a lot of you uh, are, are excited to do and have been waiting for. So with that being said, after a quick break, you'll hear the October 5th, 2006 interview with Javier's mother, Bonnie Garcia.
October 5th, 349. It's a phone call to one of my, yeah, returning her phone call. Hi, is this Bonnie? Yes, it is. Hi, Bonnie. It's Detective LeClaire with the Sheriff's Department. Hi. How are you doing? Very good. Were you over at my house today? Yes, I was. Yeah, why don't you leave your card? Um, there's no reason to. Uh, I just well, went over there to uh, try to see if Javi was there. Okay, well, did you find him? Yeah, I swung by his work and was hoping he was working there, and he was, so talked to him there for a couple minutes, and that was that. Okay. So is there anything that I can help you with or, you know, I'm a little worried about uh, this investigation. You guys are not releasing too much information. Yeah, that's pretty standard in this type of case. Yeah, I imagine it is. Um, what I'm trying to do is get as much information from everyone as possible so, so I can kind of, you know, kind of get a history on who's who and try to find out who's responsible. Yeah. I'm wondering main things I'm trying to do is, you know, eliminate all the close people in her circle um, so I could, um, you know, go for it, obviously. Right. Um, one one easy way to eliminate people is to have them take a polygraph test. Um, so I was trying to get Javi to see if he wanted to do that so I could kind of eliminate him from the circle. Yeah, well, I, I understand that uh, he's been counseled not to do that. Because A is not, it's not uh, something that's admissible, and B, it's not scientifically driven, so I think you can, you know. So you're not a proponent of it, huh? No, I'm not. Why is that? Why is that? Because I think that, I think it's a good investigative tool maybe for you guys, but it's not something that um, is admissible in court, so what's the point? But I'm actually frankly surprised that you guys haven't come to talk to me. Okay. Uh, Oh, you had any information? Well, I don't know. You said you're eliminating people that were close to uh, this girl. Okay. So if you you want to come and talk to me, um, that's why I was surprised that you didn't leave a card at my door. I was wondering, that's a little bit unusual, a little bit, I don't want to say unprofessional, but my neighbor saw you there and you, there were two of you there, so, you know, of course someone knows you came to my door. And just in my line of work, a policeman shows up at my door. Everybody wants to know what the hell's going on. So that's why I'm calling you. Okay. Um, No problem with that. I mean, if your neighbor wants to, you know, be on a lookout, I mean, what what, what are you getting at? I don't go around leaving my car at everyone's door if there's not a reason for them to call me back. Well, that's why I didn't know who you came to talk to. Oh, okay. You came to talk to me or you wanted to talk to my son. I know you've already talked to my son. Okay. So the reason I'm calling you is... Is there any reason for you to talk to me? Do you think there is? If you're eliminating the, pe- the circle of people that may know this girl, maybe you think you need to. And if you do, well, then I want to make myself available to you. Okay, well, let's talk right now. Okay. Since we're on the phone. What can you tell me about um, these people? I don't know the parents, but this young lady spent a lot of time in my house. Okay. Um, tell me uh, about Becky. What do you want to know? No, everything you know about her. Tell me what type of person she is. Uh... Um, I would say pretty um, easygoing kind of girl. Had a wide circle of friends, many that I don't know. I know the circle of friends that she hung out with at my house. You know, five or six guys, which I think you've already talked to. 
Okay. Um, and she spent quite a lot of time at my house. Who are those guys? I can ensure those are people I have spoken with. Um, for, well, I know them a lot by uh, nicknames and just guys that hung out with my son. Corey, whose dad works for Palm Springs PD, our okay. Indian guy, Spikey Hera. Um, Alex, um, short kind of buzz hair. Um, Bo, the red hair kid. Um, my son, uh, my nephew, Jacob. And, you know, she seemed to be the only girl in the circle. Okay. So she was the kind of girl that hung out with uh, guys that were easy to hang out with. That's how I would describe her. Did she have a boyfriend? Yeah, she did. She was dating my nephew for a while, and I know that my son had a crush on her for a while. So who she dated, I, I think she dated some guy that was, uh, I want to say a Marine or, you know, some, some military guy for a while. Um, how long ago was that? Uh, I don't really know. Maybe a couple months ago. Now, how did you get this information? From Becky or from someone else? Oh, from Becky, yeah. Talking to Becky. Okay. Um, I don't know her uh, circle of friends. She lived here in the area and then left and then moved back to the area and then started hanging around with my son and a couple of his friends, you know, several months back. When she dated this military guy, was that before she moved away or after? I don't know if it was after she was back here or before, you know, she was here. Okay. I never asked her where the guy was from or anything like that. Um, and, you know, she dated quite a bit, so I don't, I didn't ask her a whole bunch of stuff. But she spent a lot of time in my house, and frankly, I was, I was concerned. I just kind of have the kind of house where I tell my kids, bring your friends here. I don't want you to somebody else's house. And so uh, I'm not the kind of parent that buys them alcohol or let them, you know, smoke marijuana or do any of that crap, but I will buy them pizza and let them swim in my pool and watch my big screen TV and crash on my couch. Oh, okay. So she was, she was spending a lot of time with um, that circle of guys, and so, you know, many a night she spent nights in my house. And I know she spent nights in my house even when I was out of town or working out of town. Okay. And so I said to her one day, um, you know, what's the story? Why are you spending so much time at my house? You know, you, if you're not my son's girlfriend, I think it's probably inappropriate for you to spend a lot of time here. And, um, you know. What was her reply to that? I'm sorry? What was her reply to, to that? She was just, uh, you know, we're, we're just hanging out. I go, I know, but you live up the hill. And so I know that you have a long drive home, but I don't really think it's, cool for one girl to be hanging out with so many guys and even if there's nothing going on and I'm here in the house and sleeping in the house at the same time you're here, I think it just kind of looks bad. Okay. So she spent a lot of time at my house while I was there. Um, I would come home some nights and the kids would be hanging out. I have a little fire pit in my backyard, be hanging around the fire pit and just hanging out. Um, I know she spent the night before this horrible incident at my house. And so that made me feel bad. Did uh, Becky and Javi ever date in the past? Not to my knowledge, no. I'm sure he would have liked to, but she was dating his cousin. Okay. So how do you know he had a crush on her? 
because she told me, and it was obvious, you know, what a guy is uh, like a girl. Okay. But it was obvious that, you know, all the time that she was at my house and hanging out with the guys, that she was just one of the guys. Right. I've never seen them holding hands or, you know, sitting on his lap or kissing his face. And in fact, they were just almost like 12-year-old silly with, you know, uh, if, they, if one of the guys would fall asleep, they would, like, take magic markers and magic marker their face or their hands or do fake tattoos on them, that kind of stupid stuff. Did Javier, did Javier ever tell you that he, he was interested in dating Becky? No. Okay. I'm sure there were 50 guys interested in dating Becky. She was cute, she was funny, she was funky. ever talked to you about any problems she was having? She said she didn't uh, get along with her, I think, one sister she didn't talk to that lived uh, out of the area. I think she had a sister that she got along with that was in the military. Um, her dad, I knew, lived out of town, former uh, deputy. Um, she got, you know, she got along well with her um, mom. Never really talked to me about her stepdad. I don't know him. I don't know the mom either. Do you know any of uh, Javi's friends who drive a pickup truck? What color? Um. Either blue, uh, green, red, or somewhere around there? No, the only pickup truck that any of them have, I think, was Corey's. And Corey's, I want to tell you, is yellow. Yellow, kind of like a beige color. Okay. And it has a vent in it because I backed my car into it. Old, old pickup truck. Okay. And do you remember the time frame where Becky said that Javi had a crush on him? Do I remember the time frame? Yeah, like recent. Yeah. I don't. I don't think her discussion with me was that she had. He had a crush on her. It wasn't a discussion like that. It was, hey, you're spending an awful lot of time in this house, and uh, this is not uh, cool. And she was just more like, hey, we're friends, you know. I'm sure he would uh, like me to be a girlfriend, but I'm not interested in that. It wasn't like, hey, Javi has a crush on me, I'm leading him on. It was nothing like that. Oh, okay. But Becky's personality was very flirty, funky. I mean, you would go with her to the grocery store, she would be flirting with five people. You know, she was just kind of that funky personality, so I didn't kind of see it unusual. I just thought, you know, I'm the kind of Latina mom, you want to go screw around, go find a hotel room. And that's obviously not the case. In this case, well, then don't, don't let it appear that way. And even when she spent the night at my house, 
my son, my son has a king size bed. And so it would not be unusual for four or five guys to be sleeping at my house, two on my couch, and two on his bed, and maybe one on his floor. I see. And then to have a girl hanging out, like in the middle of that crowd, that's what I thought was not cool. Okay. Anything else you think is important? I just think, uh, you know, timeline was important to me because that day I was in town and uh, I was in Vegas the night before and my son picked me up at the airport and we went to get some tires for his car and the car got delayed with the tires being placed on it and he dropped me off at home and went to have lunch with Becky and a friend. I think the friend was babysitting or something. And um, I had a 16th of September event in front of City Hall that night, and I called him and rushed him home because we had I had to get to work. And he uh, came back to the house, and she left up the hill. And probably, I want to say it was probably around 5, 36 o'clock around that time. So I dropped him off at uh, the shop to go pick up his car, and I went over to City Hall. So I'm... You know, she left to go back up the hill around that time. And as I recall it in the morning, there was a fire that night. So I'm thinking how much time between the time she left the, uh, the valley floor to the time she got up there, did this poor girl get in trouble? When he came home uh, after Becky went back up to the hill, you said you uh, called him and you said you summoned him. Did he actually come home? Yeah, he was home that day because the next morning um, I was, I would think I was going to, oh, to go repair his car or something. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. He had school. And I said to him, uh, they have you registered in school in a, incorrectly. They have you registered um, as if you live out of state and you need to fix this tuition problem and you need to go down to the counseling office. And it was early in the morning, probably around 8, 9 o'clock in the morning. And he was like, uh, you know, uh, I haven't heard from Becky. Becky worked nights and then he hadn't heard from Becky. And the, the guy up there told me that her house was on fire. And so uh, we were looking at the news and saw all the commotion going on. And he was clearly concerned about her. And so that day, that morning, it was early in the morning. I want to say probably about 8, 9 o'clock, you know. Um, uh, we started seeing all the commotion going on and asking the friends if they heard from her because I know the reception was poor up there. And then a few of them drove up there to see if they could see her car in the driveway to see if she was at home. Okay. When you so I got, him out of, I got him out of bed that morning. Okay. When you summoned him home when uh, after, they had, after he had lunch with Becky, how long was he home for? Well, he was home um, probably about 10, 15 minutes because I said, hey, you got to come and you gotta, he had my car. He went to go get uh, lunch with her, meet her and her friends, I want to say at Del Taco or something. And it was probably around 4.35 when I called him and said, hey, I got to get out there because I need to do this event this evening. And he came home, picked me up, and we went over to uh, Walmart to go pick up his car. So I'm sure there's a time frame, a time stamp on that, on those, the receipt. Okay. 
Yeah, two tires split on this car. And did, did he go with you to your event, or did he just go elsewhere? No. I dropped him off at Walmart, and they were not yet done with his car. So I left him at Walmart to wait for his car so that I can go to my event. My daughter totaled her car uh, about two months ago, and so the only cars in my house are my car and Javi's car. And with his car in the shop, my car was transporting him to two thirty thirty else. Did he tell you where he was at on Sunday night when this fire occurred? Uh, yes. Where was that? He told me that he was out with his friends, driving around. Did he say if they were at a particular place? Can you hold on one second? Sure. Yeah. Hi, I gotta go over to the television station. Would you call me after you're done here? Well, whatever one you find. Okay. Okay, I'm sorry. That's right. Did he say if him and his friends went to a particular place? To a particular place? Uh, no, as I understood it, the, uh, the, uh, Becky had spent the night in my house, and my flight came in around noon that day, and their time was to go hang out, so he, he and the guys go, one of the guys was up there in, uh, near Becky's house, and they go night hiking, and they go hang out in the woods, and I'm sure they go up there and, you know, party a little bit. And I guess the plan was to go up there for a little bit. And then Becky called them and said, no, don't come. There's uh, another guy that she's going to see that's going to be up there. And uh, Becky had recently broken it off with my nephew. And so there was somebody else that she was going to be hanging out with that night. And so she told my son not to go. Okay. All right. Um... Do you have a home number that I could contact you at? If I don't have a home number. You can reach me always on my cell phone. Okay, and that's the one I just called? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate you calling and providing some information. And, uh, listen, just do me a favor if you come to my house. Okay. Leave me your card so I know who's coming to my house. I Not that I'm trying to, uh, you know say that it's something unusual, but I'm in the middle of campaign season, and I've had my house destroyed. I've had people do damage to my house, so I really am really aware of who comes to my front door and tell my neighbors. Okay. Okay? All right. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. 
Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, this next interview, as I mentioned in the introduction, is a short interview with Emmalinda McGinnis. This is Jacob Santiago's mother, and it was recorded in 2015. Hi, sorry, we're catching you as you're heading out. Hi, I'm Detective Buster Harvest, my partner, Detective Ed Beza, and we did, we're trying to actually uh, see if we could uh, get a hold of Jacob Santiago. I don't know if... Uh, if Are you the one that's been calling me at my job? I don't know. I've been calling a uh, 760 number. I'm haven't committed to memory. It doesn't have a voicemail. Um, but you haven't got any voicemails from me, have you? I have. No, oh, ma'am. Let me see what number you're calling. That's on my phone. Okay. Last four is... What's the order number? I'm sorry, ma'am? What's all of the number? Oh, that one doesn't ring a bell? That's the number I've been calling. No, ma'am. 3970. There's an investigator calling me. I give him my work number. No, ma'am. I have talked to nobody. Okay, so what is this regarding? Well, we're from the Riverside County Sheriff's Department, and um, we're investigating the, the old uh, Pinion Pines murder back from 06. So I've been given the case, and I've been reviewing the case. Um, so, and I actually read through all the reports, came upon the reports involving Jacob, who is, what's his relationship to you? I, I missed, I don't know if you told my partner. No, I didn't. Okay, what's, what's your relationship to him? I'm his mom. Okay, perfect. Because no, I don't know who I'm giving information to, so, um, and I'll take you on your word. So anyway, um, in reviewing the, uh, the reports with Jacob, I had a couple of questions that I needed to just clarify so we could go forward with this so we can present it to the DA's office. So I'm just hoping that I can reach out to him, maybe make an appointment with him and talk to him. Yeah. He's well, not in trouble or anything like that. I know that he isn't, but he was dating Becky, and after that he had a total mental breakdown. And the last investigator that came and wanted to talk to him, mm -hmm. he got a letter from his psychiatrist. And so unless he's subpoenaed to talk to somebody, Talk to okay, all right, I understand that part. I didn't see you had a little bit. Open up a whole can of worms for him. That was his girlfriend. Right. And it was traumatic for him. And later, he found my sister dead, and that was another traumatic thing for him. And I'm not gonna open up a whole can of worms. Sure. This is this is after that happened. Yeah. 
Oh wow, that's that's horrible. It that, is. That is. Yeah. And, and he has a twin brother, right? Yes, he does. Okay. Yeah. And so in the beginning, he cooperated. He gave him their cell phone. Right. Like yeah. He has nothing to hide. Right. Absolutely. What kind of stuff? But <clears throat> okay, no problem. <laughs> but um, if you want to subpoena him, and then he'll be there with an attorney or something, then so that you don't get all anxious or crazy or anything okay. like that. Well, I have a question for you, ma'am, because I know it looks like you're getting ready to leave yeah. right now. Um, is it all right if I follow up and just give you a phone call and maybe talk a little bit more? Okay, perfect. And I'll give you my card, as I'd really like to hear a little bit more, but I know you're... Okay. What is your name, ma'am? Emelinda, E-M-E-L-I-N-D-A. M-C-G-I-N-N-I-S. Okay. And what's a good number that I can reach you at? Um, if I call you tomorrow, if, if that's okay, what's a good time to reach you? What's the best time? Number. I'm sorry, ma'am? I'll give you my work number. Okay. Okay. Um, that number is... No. Um, like I said, my partner and I work at the Sheriff's Department. No one should have reached out to you or son in, in some length of time. Because like I said, I've had... Well, the, that was... That was um, it was in the beginning, and then again, like several years afterwards. Okay, but not recent, like not within the last six months no, or a year no, or anything like that. Okay, all right. <clears throat> no, but uh, a couple of years ago when they did, then um, I gave the investigators his psychiatrist number, and he could verify. Okay. Right down after that. Um, Has your son been diagnosed? Yep. What's his? If you don't mind, what's his diagnosis, uh, ma'am? That's private. I don't know that. <laughs> Well, I just, you know, I... Let's just say you have a girlfriend that's the one killed. Absolutely. And then a couple of months later, you find your favorite aunt dead in the bathroom. Yeah. That's enough to throw anybody over the deep end. Well, certainly. Absolutely, man. So he's he's in recovery now. He's going to graduate from school. Things are looking up. I don't need to give him no PTSD. I understand. Okay. Well, then I'll, I'll give you a call tomorrow and uh, and we'll follow up. But, but thank right. you. Did you have anything else right now? No. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Appreciate it. Okay. All right, as I said at the beginning, you've now heard from Javier's mom, you've heard from Jacob's mom. This final interview that's about 35 minutes long is with Jacob's twin brother, Rolando. It was conducted in 2015. If you're looking for really informative case materials, you're not going to get it from this interview. You're more than welcome to shut things off here. Uh, but if you want to hear it all, just keep on listening. It's a pretty interesting interview, not really about so much about the case. He's just an interesting guy. But here is the 2015 interview with Jacob Santiago's twin brother, Rolando Santiago. I know you probably know a little bit about why we're here. Um, but, uh, I mean, hopefully you don't mind just chatting with us. It's, it's okay with you? Um, it, tell me, if you don't mind, tell me why, why you think we're here. Then I can fill you in on, on why we're here. Man, what's to do with Becky? You know, I... Did you know Becky? Yeah. Okay. This was nine or ten years ago. I think, you know, and my brother it was my brother's girlfriend at the time. Um, but that was it was very short, they weren't together that long. Um, you know, I do follow the news and to be honest, I'm a little bit surprised that they had all the I don't want to say evidence, but then just dismissed everything. So yeah. I'm kind of grateful that you guys are reopening the, plea, the case for what it's worth. Yeah. That's my assumption while you're here. Yeah. I don't like to make assumptions because you know what they say about that. 
making yep. us out of you and me. <laughs> I don't want yeah. to assume, but I'll let you film me. I want you here. Yeah. Um, is it Officer Dickey or I want to trust your property? Jim is fine. Jim? Jim and Les. Or Lester, yeah. That's good. Um, yeah, you you are correct um, on, on why we're here. Um, I wasn't, nor my partner, working on the case necessarily when the it went through the um, the process of arrest and then dismissal. So hi. Um, so here, you want a card? I should have brought you a sticker, huh? Okay. Should have brought you a. I had some too in my locker. I should have brought you some. It's okay. It's okay. If she wants to climb on your lap, climb all over, no big deal. She'll, she'll be happier if you uh, let her do whatever she wants to do. Um, you guys missed the meltdown earlier, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, we weren't necessarily a part, integral part of the process when there was an arrest and then a release. But, um, you know, you had mentioned that you were surprised by that. Um, were you surprised because it's, it's your belief that those were the right people that had committed this crime? I don't even know, to be honest, I don't know those individuals at all. Okay. Um, my cousin is Javier Garcia. Yeah. So... You're not directly familiar with them, or you don't personally, you don't personally know them. Uh, Pape or Smith, Christian Smith or Robert no, Pape? No, yeah. I have no idea. I was just... What is everybody saying about, what's the word on the street or what's the word amongst everybody? Does everybody think that, yeah, those are the right guys and we're just waiting for Smith to... To be honest, I really have no idea. I really don't know anybody who knows Becky or is in contact with her. Yeah. I just remember, you know, last year, a couple of years ago, yeah. the core, and then I, w I saw it on 48 hours. That was pretty big and significant. Yeah. So for something like that, that's pretty close to home. Yeah. That, you know, pretty hits it, it hit home. Yeah. So I'm seeing little cell phone pings from on 48 hours. I'm thinking to myself, okay, well... I'm not a rocket scientist, but I would think that'd be enough, and I'm not sure as to why. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you guys are investigating that, and I hope you guys find the answer. I mean, I just want to... I feel terrible for the family. Yeah. You know, and my brother was happy. I think he was like 18 or 19 at the time. We were very young. This is nine or ten years ago, so this was in, in its infancy. Mm -hmm. um, but... I really have no idea. I don't know what people are saying, or yeah. and it's very frustrating for the families. You know, and there's no closure. Yeah, and that's the sad part. Well, we're trying our hardest right now, and I'll get, I'll, I'll kind of fill you in on where we come into play. Um, so, because the case is nine years old, it's been um, handed down from from uh, the original case investigators uh, to some uh, intermediary investigators, and then to um, uh, my partner and I and so um, we are trying to check every unchecked box before the district attorney's office makes its final decision on, on this case uh, and that's where we're at right now um, the most recent uh, set of circumstances uh, there was uh, a review of the case and we looked at some things that um, probably would be a good idea to do now so that way uh, it wouldn't cause it wouldn't be something that in the middle of a trial we'd have to go wait stop we didn't do XYZ uh, one of those things was as you're um, as you probably know is uh, speaking with your brother again 
um, and uh, also getting his um, DNA swab, which I'm sure he shared with you, to eliminate him as a uh, suspect. And uh, it is not a thought of mine or my partners or anybody in our office that your brother had anything to do with these murders. Uh, but there was a list of probably five or six people who we are traveling around California, Arizona, Nevada, getting these swabs from. So that way, um, the defense, called pretrial prep, can't say, well, you never properly eliminated, uh, you know, Jacob Santiago, or you never properly eliminated so-and-so or this. So as we're focused on who we think it is, the defense is going to be trying to point at all the things we didn't do. You know, well, you didn't do this, we didn't do that so we're trying to um, just check every box that hasn't been checked, dot every I, cross every T. Um, what leads us to you is that originally when we spoke with your brother, and I have his report here, back in 2006, uh, when not, not when we spoke with him, but the other investigators did, um, they took his statement. It's been a while. And as a part of his statement, um, he had mentioned that uh, he may have spent some time with you prior to and during or after uh, around the time of the incident. And so what leads us to you is to help verify what he had told investigators back then, um, if, if you can. And I don't want you to guess. Um, I want you to, you know, if you're unsure about something, just tell me you're unsure. Anything I ask you, if you don't know, just say, I don't know. Because it, it has been nine years. And if you ask me what I did nine years ago, I now granted this is a very significant incident that somebody very close would probably have very vivid memories, you know, family members, you know, oh. just like September 11th, where were you when you got the news? You might remember some things, yeah. but if it wasn't very close to you, you might not remember as much. Um, but that's what leads us to you is because originally your brother had mentioned your name when he gave a statement, and any person in the investigation that mentioned other people's names were going to those other people. And then... Yeah, and then uh, speaking with you, if you give us names of any other people, then we're going to go, you know, but we're not going to tell them that you mentioned their name. The only reason I'm telling you is because I know your brother and your mom have told you we spoke to him. It's no secret. But if any name came up in this of me and you speaking, I wouldn't run to them and say, you know, that you told me that uh, they might have information. And Rolando, I'm going to interject something here. Um, um, it's my understanding, our understanding, that you have not ever been contacted by anybody from the Riverside County Sheriff's Department through the Investigations Bureau no. for a statement on your part. Is that correct? That's correct. And before we um, get into just a couple of quick questions, uh, can you confirm the spelling of your first name for me? It's R-O-L-A-N-D-O. Okay. And I'm listening, but my partner's going to write it, so don't think I'm not writing it. It's not important. And Santiago, common spelling? Yeah. C-N-T-I-H-E-O. All right. And just to recap, uh, your address. California, of course, 92203 zip code. Okay. And your uh, cell phone number is? Seven. Perfect. All right. Did you have any um, uh, work information that you wanted to provide us? Any alternative address or anything like that? Are you a student? No. Not any longer. No? Okay. You're at Dunwood School? I'm sorry. You're done with School? Um... I don't know. I want to get my master's degree, but... Did you get your bachelor's? Yeah, I already have my bachelor's degree. Yeah, what'd you get it in? In business administration. Cool. And Is this recent, or you've had it for a while? I've had it for well, it's five years. It just... Um, I guess being a student, you never see the light at the end of the tunnel, and when you finally graduate, like, oh my gosh, here it is. Yeah. Now the real world, that was five years ago. How quickly time flies by. Has it paid off for you? Absolutely. I know yeah. how my wife, you know, who I met in college, and also my daughter, so... Yeah. 
Um, everything happens for a reason. I'm just thinking, how am I going to squeeze in time to get my master's degree with the little one running around here? You can and do also it. working full time. So you can do it's it. all about time management. <laughs> yeah. Try having two or three or four, and then you're lucky right now, just one, because you know what? She naps, right? Not anymore. <laughs> okay, never mind. Uh, and then my mother, you know, she's not to get off on a tangent, but she has her master's, mm -hmm. and. It's myself, my twin brother, of course, as you know. I also have a younger sister and then two stepbrothers. There's some so, pressure there to... You're telling me. So yeah. If she could do it, I, you know, I could certainly do it. It's just a matter of putting the time and effort. It is. Know, so. Yeah. Um, that's right here and right there. Yeah. What do you, um, what do, you do for, uh, for work? I work for Verizon. Okay. Uh -huh. In your administration or installer or...? I'm in sales. Cool. You like it? I love it. Verizon okay. cell phone or Verizon uh, files? Oh, wireless, yeah. Yeah, but I also... Um, I don't want to both, so there's two facets of the company. So, predominantly wireless, but also in the file side as well, too. Oh, cool. Corporate, so. Yes, Lester, great contact. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you my information later on, so make sure you get all the discounts that you're entitled to. That's <laughs> good to know people. Good to know people. Now, if you only worked for Southern California Edison, you could really help us out. <laughs> um, so, let me take you back to uh, just confirm your date of birth. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry, I forgot that. Um, take you back to 2006. Um, I know it's going back a ways. I was in Orange County. Can you independently remember, recollect where you were living at the time when you heard that this had happened? Do you remember what day of week it was? I remember the day of week. Um, I told you it was Sunday. Would that refresh your memory? It would. I just remember Jacob was devastated. Okay. I know he was... Were you living in Costa Mesa? I was living in Costa Mesa. I was going to school out there. Do you remember where in Costa Mesa you were living? you remember what street you were on? Yep. Right. 3443 Meadowbrook Drive or Meadowbrook Lane, mm -hmm. Costa Mesa, California, 92626 is the address. Um, you and yourself, roommate? Roommates. Okay, you and roommates. So it was a, mm -hmm. a bachelor pad kind of... I wish it was a great learning experience, to be honest with you. <laughs> fraternity? No fraternity. No fraternity, no. Where'd you, where'd you go? Um, I started off at College of the Desert. Okay. And the, I feel bad telling you this, but what a waste of time and money that was. Because when I got to Cal State Fullerton, mm -hmm. they told me that my credits and my classes did not transfer. Mm. Okay, so I wasted a year. I wasted a year out of my time, thousands of dollars of school or money, and great learning experience. Yeah. Um, went to Orange Coast Community College. Mm -hmm. thought you were going to say Saddleback, but Orange um, Coast is good too. Yeah, Saddleback is right there in, in Irvine, so a little bit further down 405. I uh, went to Orange Coast College for um, the general ed just because I wanted to make sure that all my GE classes transferred to Cal State Fullerton. Yeah. And then I had moved to Fullerton in 2008 when I had met my wife. Hmm. Well, my wife at the time, but, uh, or now, excuse me. Yeah. So I was living this time. So this, this uh, day that this occurred um, back in uh, 2006, it was uh, on a Sunday. Um, it was September uh, 18th, as a matter of fact. Um, does that sound right to you? 17th. Sorry, September 17th. The 18th was the next morning. So 17th was a uh, uh, Sunday, and the 18th was a Monday. Um, do you remember, if you do, you do, if you don't, you don't, you do not. Do you remember um, your interactions with your brother 
let's say, in the days leading up to those dates. So let's say, like, starting Wednesday or Thursday, the week prior. He was really happy. He was, um... <laughs> Do you, was your relationship with him over the phone, or was it in person? Was he staying with you, or were you just oh, talking on the he phone? Had, he had his own place, the phone desert. Um, Becky would come over and hang out, and she was a great friend to my cousin, Javier Garcia. Mm -hmm. And it was really them three hanging out, but I'm also the twin brother, so it's kind of like a 30-year marriage, uh, needless to say. Um, I just remember him, and they were dating. Becky and Jacob were dating. Mm -hmm. And it was only, I can't, really, I can't recall exactly how much time it was, but it was in its infancy. They were just starting a date. And I recall vividly, <laughs> this was terrible of me saying this, but um, <laughs> he would only stay at the, well, not, I shouldn't even say this because it's in the statements, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Uh, this is a funny story, but um, I don't want to be documented. <laughs> Probably throw him under the bus. Um, he was just really happy. Stop writing. <laughs> no. he, was just, he was really, really happy. Yeah. And to the point where he didn't want to hang out with me. I had to make appointments to hang out with him. Okay. And that's the joke around it. So yeah. for us to be twin brothers and always hanging out, he's like, hey, leave me alone. You know, I, want, I need some space. I'm hanging out with Becky. She's number one. Rightfully so. And she was really cool. She was really fun to be around. Yeah. She put a smile in everybody's face. Um, and that's why it was kind of shocking and surprising. But Jacob was really happy up until everything had happened. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what your next question is, but I get kind of, I'm sorry. It's just, this is somebody's life and it was so cruel and inhumane. Yeah. This is a life-changing event for your brother and you. Yes. And really for my brother, it's, it's been a roller coaster ride for him, and I'm, I don't know if what he shared with you, but um, really nothing. We we haven't. Uh, unfortunately, we, there's no, a little bit of a, a barrier that yeah, we can't overcome between you know, for communication. It's been, it's been a huge impact on him. You yeah. know, it's he lost somebody who he really loved and cared for. Yeah. Later on, he lost our favorite aunt. You know, a year later, so it's just one thing after another, one loss after another. Yeah. So, yeah, he's been through a lot to say the least. Um, but for what it's worth, I remember after the fact when kind of find, you know, finding out, he was saying, Orlando, this is, you know, Becky's going to answer her phone, and it's went right to voicemail. This is strange. And that was a red flag for him. Do you remember what day that was he told you that? It was, I want to say even leading up to. Was it the day it happened, you think? I don't know. I can't recall the exact date, Jim, okay. if it was leading up to that day. I just remember him vividly saying, you know, I'm calling her, I'm texting her. Yeah. And this is very, very strange and unlikely okay. that she's not responding, like, for her phone to be off because she always has her phone on, you know, leave a voicemail. Yeah. Or if I send her a text message, she'll text me back. So yeah. for him to say that, it was some of a red flag. And he was with me that weekend. So I'm like, oh, it's not a big deal, you know, what have you. And this was before you guys found out. Happened, yes. Right? Yeah. And then when everything happened, then it was just... Validated and solidified. Um, it was the worst possible outcome. I mean, he didn't really. I don't know. I don't think he really. I don't think he would. I don't think anybody would think that was the outcome. It was very shocking, and sad, and alarming, to say the the least. Um, but it was, he was definitely shocked, and he knew when he was calling that something was definitely wrong. He had like that. 
that intuition yeah. for, for what it's worth just because it's not like her to have her phone off. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, it does make sense. We're all creatures of habit. Yeah, and, so. You know, your, your, your wife and my wife and his wife, they all come home at the same time usually every day, go to work at the same time usually every day. And when, and so when we can't get a hold of somebody, we know. Yeah, I know mine doesn't answer my phone calls. I'm like, great. I'm paying, I'm paying the Verizon bill over here and... She still doesn't answer the phone. She'll do a voicemail, text her, call to work, and then she finally returns my phone call, but it's nor here nor there. (laughs) Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, well, you know, I, I we both appreciate, uh, me and my partner appreciate the, uh, the impact this had on everybody's lives. And, uh, you know, I really wish that everybody could kind of understand where we were coming from. I think it would make things a lot easier. It would put people at ease. Um, you know, we're not here to obviously get you in any type of trouble or even your brother. Your brother's not in any trouble. Your brother's not going to be in any trouble. Um, you did mention how much he has or hasn't shared with me, and, and there's been no sharing because uh, there's a barrier, a communication barrier for, uh, you know, legal reasons. and. Uh, you know, people, everybody has that right to not want to talk to law enforcement or to have a lawyer present, you know. Um, but in his case, it's it's not needed. It's not necessary. I wish I could put him at ease to know that. And, and I have try, I have told him that. I just don't know how much he believes or doesn't. But um, really just what I want to get back to is uh, kind of um, making sure that I understand how that week went with your brother and you. Um, you did mention that he was with you uh, the week of or the week prior. Can you just kind of... 
tell me if you remember um, what you recall him, his comings and goings, being at your place in Costa Mesa. Do you remember the days or anything I of that? Just, I had just started school, so I was probably three weeks in, so everything was very new and fresh. Okay. And so I was just, you know, letting him know about how costly it is and all the hot girls at school, things like that, which is very mm-hmm. common. And it was nice for me I don't, know if was, I don't know if he was here in the desert or if he was living in San Diego in 2006. But it was nice for him to just get getting in, getting out of the normal routine and coming mm. to visit me. So, yeah. um, did he stay with you? He did. Okay. He stayed with me a couple of days. And do you remember the leading the days leading up to this? If he was staying with you or the night that? I can I can't recall. Understood. Completely understood. You know, you know, he was always hanging out with me because I just got a new place, so it was really nice. Um, I just can't. I wish I, I wish I knew more. Or yeah. I wish I could remember more. But I. When did you get that place? The place in Costa Mesa. Do you remember? Yeah, I do. It was in. Um, let's see. Two thousand three graduated. Six moved out. Let's see June. It was either July, it was either June or July. And then um, it was myself and you know, roommates. I had, to, I had to rent a room and it was you know, through Craigslist, but that's how I got a room in Costa Mesa, so to speak. And it was fine because I was a student. Um, but yeah. So you had a couple of roommates out of necessity, obviously, to help facilitate. Oh yeah, it was $2,000 a month for for rent back then, and yeah. that was nine years ago. So imagine present value, <laughs> easily three thousand dollars. It was near South Coast Plaza, mm. you know, right yeah, next right, door. Exactly, that's right. Yeah. 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 So it was a total of how many roommates? Um, myself and um, three others. Mm-hmm. So. Or you guys piled in the yeah. one bedroom or two? No, it was a beautiful townhome. Oh. Yeah. So no complaints. It was nice. Also, a great learning experience about people. And people how, are pigs. I wonder up, but how unreliable they are. Oh, yeah. Um, how deceitful they are. They'll eat your food. Um, not that, but how they, they can just leave you high and dry, and now you have to cover $2,000 of rent yourself. So, yeah. great learning experience for what it's worth. No, yeah, can't rely on other people sometimes. Not at all. But I say, um, there's always a purpose, and everything falls into place when it has to. It was a dire situation, and I had new roommates when I moved to Fullerton. There were a bunch of lawyers, so it was a wonderful situation. So, great gentlemen, you know, great, great guys to have. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, you had mentioned uh, that you you don't recall if he had been out with you that week um, prior, and I understand. Um, is there anything else about the days leading up to, or that Sunday, or the days after that um, you think that uh, is information that that we should have? Um, that maybe we, I mean, if anything, if you can think of anything, please lay it on us because, you know, maybe we did hear it somewhere else or maybe it'd be the first time hearing it. But um, yeah, yeah. I know it's kind of tough because you're close enough to it that it affected you, but you're not close enough to know a lot of these people's names are involved. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know the two, I don't know, I don't know if they're suspects or the two people that were. They are. Quite, okay, the two they suspects. Are suspects yes. I don't have any idea who they are or their relationship. Um, with Becky or with Jacob or with my yeah. cousin Javi. Was your brother friends with them? Do you know? No. No. Not so. Your brother was not friends with um, Robert uh, 
paper, Christian Smith. No. Okay. Was, um, do you know if uh, Javi was friends with him? I'm not sure. Okay. Do you still stay in contact with Javier? Not really, to be honest. Right. That's pretty sad, but he was in Nevada. Okay. So, just because um, just he moved is the only reason? No, no big problem with you two or anything? No. Just because he moved, life changes. Once you have kids, it's kind of it's kind of tough. Um, yeah. He's single and you know he doesn't have any kids, so it's kind of hard to relate. But um, and he works a lot of hours as well too, which I certainly respect. But he's a uh, an officer out there, isn't he? Yes. He yeah. He's like a correctional officer. So. Yeah, kind of the same. Uh, Probably a little more dangerous, really, <laughs> especially in Nevada. Okay, um, do you have some things? <clears throat> um, when you lived in Costa Mesa, um, it seems to me, based on what I've read, um, that your twin brother lived in that's, that's what that's, that's the notion that I'm getting about September-ish, below six. Did you ever go to his uh, apartment? I would go to his apartment, but it was... Very seldom, very rare. Okay. That's because I, I had already moved to Orange County and started school. Um, but I would come home once a month and really stay at my mom's house in Cathedral City and then stay at Jacob's house, you know, maybe for a night or hang out there for the evening and then go back to my mother's house. It would only be maybe like once a month when I'd come to visit the family. And it'd be you know, my mother... Also, my grand, my late grandmother who had passed away, my great grandmother who's 99, who lives in Florida. So uh, that I certainly remember vividly, and that was nine years ago. And up until 2010, I was doing that religiously every single month. I'd come out here to visit. Um, but Jacob also moved, so he he didn't always live in Palm Desert. You know, he lived in Palm Desert, then moved to San Diego, and you know. San Diego, not when uh, when your brother did live at the apartment condo, I'm not quite sure mm-hmm. what the proper term is. Um, did you ever do you recall him ever having a any roommates? Mm-hmm. He had he had one roommate and she was oh man, Jim hit it right in the head, you know, slob pigs, you know. One of those roommates, um, she lived up in Santa Rosa, and she was only down, I think, for a month or two, and then she had left, and she moved back to Santa Rosa, where she was originally from. Okay. Um, I don't remember her name. I don't remember her last name. I just remember where she's from, where she was. Do you remember your brother having any other roommates? No, it's only a two. It was a two-bedroom, two-bath apartment. Then he had another home. I didn't mention that, yes. Um, he did have another roommate. I say his name is Austin. Yeah. Now, would Austin have been come before or after the, the female? It was after the female roommate. Yeah. Okay. Because I show you a picture. Is that uh, that's maybe Austin. your dog? That's really Austin. And you had an opportunity to meet Austin as well. Yes. What'd you think of Austin? Huh. A bit quirky and nerdy. Um, very intelligent. Uh, very highly intelligent. An introvert, I would say. Um, I don't want to be, I don't want to put labels or be rude or um, insensitive, but he was somewhat quiet and, you know, loved computers, he had a couple different computers, um, very organized and neat, 
which myself and my brother love because we were very organized and neat to a certain degree. Um, but yeah, and Jacob, I met him in school. It was one of his classmates at the time at COD. So he was much more trustworthy than the prior roommate. That's a good word, trustworthy. Mm-hmm. So, and maybe that leads into, I was going to ask you, what, what did you, you know, you, you kind of told me what you thought of him, but I mean, as far as <clears throat> how, I guess, how his coexistence with your brother, or even yourself with your interactions, how did Austin seem? They seemed to be okay. Um, they were, you know, very mutual and respective of each other's privacy and common areas. Uh, things were paid on time, so it was really great. There's really no any issues. It seemed like it was really a great household, to be honest. Um, yeah, there's really no like, parties. It was really quiet for the most part, and that's the way that Jacob wanted to keep it that way. He didn't really want to have. He didn't want to really draw a lot of attention and have management, you know, get kicked out or have other neighbors complain. It was more of a smaller community. That's the reason why. And it was nice that Austin kind of respected that and had that common interest. Based on the reports that uh, my partner and I had reviewed, it, it appears to us, and you correct me if I'm wrong, that Austin was your brother's roommate when this horrific murder occurred yes. with Becky and her family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know and I, my, my partner's kind of mentioned it, but after this happened, after you guys found out about this and devastated your brother and just kind of shook the whole balance of you know what was happening in his life and in that apartment so much as well too um what what i mean how did jacob and, and austin and yourself how did you guys all deal with this i mean that's a wonderful question that's a really really great question and i wish i had an answer for you um I know Jacob was just devastated. I mean, he, he, I can't even, I can't put it into words. Um, I was there for him as much as I could be, you know, and more so than Austin. We only knew each other a few months or a semester or maybe a year. I can't recall to be exact luster. Um, I know that you know, Austin lent sympathy and had empathy as well for Jacob and for the situation, but I really didn't, um, we really didn't discuss it amongst ourselves. It was so much turmoil that Jacob wanted to be somewhat by himself and not in isolation, but more with my mom, more with my cousin, you know, uh, my cousin Crystal, who's his favorite cousin, um, and also Mark, you always see, but want to be more with family and I never I never thought that Austin could be a person of interest um, you know possibly but I never really thought that I know and I appreciate you guys you know dotting your eyes and crossing your T's so when you showed me a picture <laughs> that hit it right on the head because now memory lane was coming back when you were saying that earlier um, but I really can't recall like a conversation or a little power that we had in the living room together how Jacob was feeling. I know he was crying a lot and he was really sad. Um, but I really can't 
I don't really have a solid answer as far as how we can interact after the fact. I know it was very different. I know it was more in distress. And then that also, Austin got a job and moved down or and then Jacob moved as well. Um, but even that, there was really no issues. They were still, you know, amicable and friends. So I hope that for what it's worth, tries to help answer your question, but that's a great question. I just don't have the answer. I'm sorry. You know, and, and, and I have to, what we have to do is obviously we got to do our, got to do our homework. We got to read and we got to review. At the same time, there's got to be this humanistic inquisitiveness about us. And what makes Jacob tick? What makes Austin tick? What makes Rolando tick? What is it, what's going on in your guys' mind when you're thinking about this? You know, is it the anger part? Is it the, is it the, is it the accu, accusi, accusatory part? I can't say that word. Accusations. Thank you. Sure. You know, what is it? So at some point, I just wonder, well, damn, Rolando, what do you think about this, man? You know? Well, I think it's very heinous what was done. And the fact that it's been almost a decade and they can't find the perpetrators is, you know, um, very astonishing. It's unfathomable what they've done. And um, I just hope there's justice and closure, you know, for the families. I know everybody's hurting. I know that you guys really, um, I don't know if this, if you guys know um, her personally, but it, it was very sad and the magnitude of this was a nightmare. I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish this on, <laughs> I wouldn't wish this upon my worst enemy. It's just so heinous. Uh, just hearing the news and reading the papers, I remember that vividly when everything happened. I thought originally maybe it was like a fire that happened in the house, but knowing that, and this is just my own personal opinion and also what my brother had shared with me. Now, Becky's a fighter. She's always been a fighter. And um, he, his belief is that she was trying to get away, and that's the reason why um, the whole the wheelbarrow. And um, it's very sad that her, I think her mother and her stepdad had gotten murdered in the house. And, and for her to be outside of the house, for me, kind of reaches some red flags and questions as to how this was done, and could somebody by themselves do it, as well as, is it premeditative? You know, what, like, as you said earlier, is it anger, is it something? Um, I don't know, but what I do know is lives are, are hurt from this, and we can't change the hands of time. I appreciate you guys being here. I really do. I know. I'll be honest. I'm not. Um, I'm not too keen on law enforcement, but I appreciate you guys listening. And I really like Luster. I mean, I, lo I love your questions and I love your openness. And you have a really great vibe on YouTube, John. Luster's a. Uh, taught me everything. No, no, no. Everybody loves <laughs> <I> Luster. Just, <laughs> just, um, just want to give him a hug. <laughs> I just. I appreciate you guys for what it's worth. Trying to get this case solved yeah. we are we are trying to do you know, the right thing mm -hmm. by the families and uh 
unfortunately, in this line of work, when we come knocking, sometimes people think, you know, the worst. It definitely is hindering sometimes to, to just, because we could move on quickly, you know. And it, let me put it this way. If I ask, hey, can I talk to you? And you say, no, you want to talk to me? Yes, I respect that. But later down the road, somebody might look at it and go, well, why that guy didn't want to talk to them? What does he have to hide? When in reality, it's your right not to talk to us. So for people that aren't guilty of anything, it's always good to just talk, you know. Now, if you're guilty of something, <laughs> that's a different story. <laughs> so, um, but one thing I wanted to ask you is in the report, I want to know if you knew anything about this or if you could provide us some insight. Um, when your brother was interviewed back in um, 2006, uh, he had told the investigator multiple times that, um, that we really needed to talk to Javier Garcia as he knew what went on and he had an idea of what happened up there and he is, quote, the key. Um, and I was wondering if you had any insight into what that statement might mean um, from your personal, maybe, interactions with uh, Javier uh, before, during, or after this happened, but also maybe any information that your brother might have relayed to you about, about that. I mean, it's almost like, it's almost like, hey, I, a little bit of like, hey, I might know a little more, but you got to go talk to this person type of thing. Does that ring a bell for you at all? Um, I don't recall the, okay. the, the key statement, what it's worth. I do recall Javier, my cousin, having a good relationship with Becky. They okay. were like the best of friends. Yeah. And Be or Javi had introduced Becky to Jacob. And my interpretation, my perspective is... Okay, well, Jacob doesn't have an idea because he was calling. Maybe Javi might have an idea of where she's at because that's okay. her best friend. Okay. And he respected, you know, their friendship. He didn't infringe on it. Yeah. But it wasn't, you know, she's my girlfriend, so leave me alone. It was more like that with me, but not with Javi. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what that statement means or what it's referring to or yeah. I don't really understand. But my interpretation is being that he's about... Almost time to eat. Almost time, almost yeah. time for bath and bed. We, you know what? We no, have we have taken up plenty of your time. Uh, and you told me that you needed to get your daughter down. If the only other thing is, no, wrong, if something comes to our mind, and are we okay to give you a, a quick phone call? If that's okay. Yeah, most certainly. Um, the only thing that I ask is if I don't answer my phone, please send me a voicemail because. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Edited by Kelly Barron's Brink and sound engineered by Shane Yoder. All music for the show was created, composed, and scored by PutThemInASong.com, who also mixed and mastered this episode. All of our fonts across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design, and you can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, TruthAndJusticePod.com, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Kay Woodyomnick, Ginger Fiola, Erica Cantor, Danielle Rohr, Jennifer Ford, Courtney Wimberly, and Melissa Cardenas. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in several ways. 
To financially support the show, the best thing you can do is just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll get something in return. On Patreon, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes bonus video content every week. Then other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You can also do us a huge favor by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the brands that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. And for all you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. And I can be found personally on all forms of social media at BobRuffTruth. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.